to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One racing. Special Chinese Grand Prix qualifying report here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, joining you in the very small hours of the night here in uh, on the west coast of uh, Canada. It is just after midnight. The qualifying session just ended about uh, five minutes ago, and we know that Valtteri Bottas will be on pole position tomorrow in uh, China at Shanghai after setting the uh, well he was fastest in all three of the qualifying sessions and uh, finished just about uh, two and a half hundredths ahead of his teammate Lewis Hamilton and it is another front row lockout for the Silver Arrows. And, well, no real surprise, uh, but uh, right behind them are the two Ferraris of Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc. And then on the third row, we see Max Verstappen and Pierre Gasly. And that, uh, I think, is interesting to see that uh, Gasly seems to have uh, finally uh, finding his feet with uh, Red Bull uh, for the fir- uh, through the first couple of races. Uh, you know, he was struggling a little bit and was uh, quite a bit of gap uh, between himself and, uh, and, and Max. So good to see Pierre there. And then uh, we have the two uh, Renaults of Danny Ricardo and Nico Hulkenberg, and then rounding up the top 10, the two slick and very sexy-looking Haas-Ferrari cars of Kevin Magnussen and Roman Grosjean. And I, I thought it was interesting, especially after Q2 was finished, that the remaining 10 cars came from the same five teams. So it's just interesting how the uh, the, the, the order sorted itself over the hour at uh, during qualifying just now. So let's just, uh, before we talk a little bit more in depth uh, about uh, the, uh, the, the the qualifying session, there were just a couple of pieces of news that uh, that, that caught my attention since the, um, the regular show came out about uh, two days ago. And uh, <laughs> while the, the, the one that really... Uh, stood out to me was uh, Lewis Hamilton's comments uh, that he said the engine deficit uh, means that it's going to be harder to catch Ferrari. Now, really? <laughs> really, Lewis? It doesn't look that way, um, especially uh, what we what we just saw over the past hour. It, it seemed right from the the, the very get go that um, that the, the the two Mercedes cars were very very quick, and it certainly played out that way. And and Botas looks like we have the uh, the Australian Grand Prix version of uh, Valtteri Botas. He looked very very solid uh, during uh, all three qualifying sessions, and of course, uh, you know th- there are a lot of uh, expectations uh, for him. And uh, if he's going to stay with the Mercedes beyond this year, and uh, we, we've talked about it a couple of times over the the, the winter months, and basically Total Wolf had said if uh, Valtteri wants to stay with Mercedes past 2019, he's going to have to perform on a level that is equal to Lewis Hamilton. And I said at the time that that is an extremely high bar to set, especially when uh, you're Valtteri Bottas, you only have a handful of Grand Prix wins under your belt on your uh, your Formula One resume. And your your teammates to a, a guy who is now a five time world champion and holds um, well 
a lot of uh, records in the sport. So I was skeptical that, uh, that, that, that Valtteri would be able to do that, uh, considering he came off a bit of an off year in 2018. But let's give uh, the, 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 the man some props. Uh, he's been pretty solid for, uh, through the first uh, couple of races. Bahrain, uh, two weeks ago, maybe not uh, not his finest uh, moment so far, but certainly Australia looked good, and at least uh, through practice and qualifying in Shanghai, he looks uh, very good as well. So, of course, that's only half the story. It doesn't really matter where he qualifies if he doesn't have a good race and uh, he doesn't bring it home, I believe that the, this uh, race, in addition to being the 1,000th Formula One race since the start of the World Championship back in 1950, it is also the 16th running of the Chinese Grand Prix, which has been going back to, I think, uh, 2004 was the very first one. And I believe nine out of the 16 Chinese Grand Prix uh, were won by who uh, started on pole position. So certainly it is setting up a very nice uh, for, for Valtteri and... Uh, well, well, we'll see if he can bring it home in first uh, place uh, tomorrow afternoon. It uh, remains to be seen, but certainly he's got uh, the, the odds stacked in his favor. But uh, just going back to, uh, to to what Lewis was saying that uh, about uh, the the engine deficit or the gap uh, that they have to uh, to Ferrari. They've said quite a few of those uh, sort of uh, similar kind of comments over the past couple of months. They've really been paying a lot of respect publicly. Uh, at any rate, to what uh, what Ferrari's doing and uh, what what's going on the track, but through the first uh, couple of races, I mean, Bahrain was different, of course, and he, even though they ended up uh, winning that one, uh, Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas getting uh, the, the the top two uh, steps on the podium, that was more down to the shortcomings of uh, Ferrari and their drivers rather than uh, Mercedes having the having the pace and uh, being able to to run away at the front. So that one, I think, uh, flattered them a, a, a little bit, but. Fast forward two weeks now, and in China they certainly seem a lot more. Um, well, I mean, they're they're not level with Ferrari. They've obviously got a, a bit of a step on them. So we'll see if that translates into race pace because now we have about a fifty-five uh, odd lap uh, Grand Prix coming up uh, in just under twenty-four hours' time. So it's it's one thing to put in a couple of fast laps. It's another thing to string it together and do it over the course of a two-hour long race. So uh, all eyes will certainly be on them for, for that but let's just talk a little bit more about um, some of the other uh, drivers in there I thought uh, that it was a, a bit of a quiet um, session obviously for Ferrari and uh, for, for both of their drivers Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc and uh, I thought at one point maybe just looking at the the, the times uh, that uh, as they went through the different sectors in Q3 that uh, Vettel might be able to uh, push a little bit closer maybe challenge a little bit more um, it looked like it was going to be a bit of a stretch to think that he might be able to catch uh, Valtteri Bottas, but certainly a, a pretty respectable time. I mean, if you look at uh, the poll time from Valtteri, it's a 131.547, and uh, he's, like I said, he's about two and a half hundredths of a second ahead in front, uh, in front of his uh, teammate, Lewis Hamilton, who set a 131.570, and then Sebastian Vettel, his time was a 131.848, and then he's only just uh, just uh, literally a hair in front of his own teammate, uh, Charles Leclerc, who set a 131.865, and then 
then uh, it was about um, about two tenths, uh, sorry, uh, two hundredths of a second uh, back to Max Verstappen. So I, I think that's uh, pretty respectable, <laughs> you know, honestly. I mean, the, the the first five guys are only about um, five uh, five and a half hundredths of a second uh, between them, and then uh, from from Max to his teammate uh, Pierre Gasly is about nine tenths of a second. So it uh, starts to increase uh, from there. And um, actually, Danny Ricardo, we should give him a, a bit of. Uh, Kudos, and actually for both of the uh, the, the the Renault cars, Danny Rex at uh, his uh, seventh place uh, time was a one thirty two point nine five eight, and he was only literally a fraction of a second in front of his teammate Nico Hulkenberg. He came in at a one thirty two point nine six two in in eighth place. So I, I think that was a, a pretty decent decent uh, performance uh, for, from both of them and actually not uh, too far off the Red Bulls. So I think that's uh, a pretty decent uh, running for them because I was kind of wondering uh, if this might be a race that uh, they, they turn it around because they have a lot to atone for and uh, really have to uh, step it up after the real disappointment they had in the desert in Bahrain two weeks ago when both cars literally stopped on the very last rap, lap of the race and well not quite the last rap of the la- lap of the race but within the last five laps or so but the uh, the odd thing about that was they both retired at almost the same instant. It was like somebody turned off a switch on the Renault pit wall and both cars just came grinding to a halt. So uh, a pretty good outing for them because let's not remember, or let's not forget that um, Danny Ricardo has a lot riding on this uh, the, the, this season. I mean, he's got a, a deal that's going to keep him at, uh, at Renault for the next couple of years, but certainly he gave up a very, very good thing that he had going at Red Bull. And uh, certainly, I mean, we, we can say through the first couple of uh, races, of the year that uh, that uh, the Honda engine is legit. Uh, it, it's uh, been mated very well with the the car and the chassis that um, that Red Bull have designed, and uh, they they keep talking about just how good of a fit uh, it is between them and a lot of potential that the, that they have and a lot of things they can do with the engine, just with the way that uh, that it really meshes nicely to the car itself. But uh, you know, Ricardo it took a very big gamble going to, to to Renault, and I mean you could see why because it's a team that has had success in Formula One over the years has a very big budget they've had their budget increased in fact for this year so it seems like a bit of a, a no-brainer and where he's going to be more I think um, the, the the focus as a, as a number one driver compared to uh, at Red Bull which is a team that uh, e- even though they might not come out and publicly say that uh, that uh, Max is number one they haven't said that over the past couple of years Max obviously casts uh, quite a big uh, big shadow. I mean, there, there, there's no doubting his ability, no doubting his talent, and uh, no doubting that uh, he should be a contender for the uh, the, uh, the the world championship at some point in his career, and it's uh, only going to be a, a matter of time. So, Ricardo moving over to Renault, taking that really, really big gamble, and it hasn't paid off for him through the first couple of races of the uh, the, the, the season. Uh, of course, the, uh, the, the first race of the year in Australia, the problems he had there during the race was uh, really kicked off by the the incident he had before the the opening lap was even a couple of corners old because he went off and then um, hit that uh, catch basin or manhole or whatever it was that uh, destroyed his front wing and that kind of messed things up uh, then retired a couple of weeks ago in 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 Bahrain so it, it hasn't been a good start for him so I'd like to see uh, Danny Ricardo have a good race uh, on Sunday afternoon and and hope he can salvage something out of there but uh, it's interesting though the the two Haskars didn't really go out at all in 
in uh, in Q3. So Kevin Magnuson starts ninth, Roman Grosjean 10th. And then you have, uh, well, basically the usual suspects uh, beyond there, Danny Kvyat at 11th, Sergio Perez in the, uh, sorry, the, the racing points. Uh, I keep calling, I want to call that Team Force India. Of course, it's not that. Kimi Raikkonen, 13th for Alfa Romeo Racing. And then 14th and 15th is a, is a bit of a disappointment for me. Uh, at 14th, we have uh, Carlos Sainz in the, uh, the McLaren, Lando Norris in 15th, uh, his McLaren teammate. And just basically the last two guys in the bottom to, to get eliminated in Q2. And I thought we'd uh, maybe turned a bit of a corner with uh, McLaren through the first uh, couple of the races of the season. Uh, at least they looked uh, a lot better, looked a lot more promising. So uh, disappointing to see that uh, that they were struggling a little bit uh, during qualifying today because their, their, their times are a little bit slow. I mean, you look at Lando's Q2 time, it's a 133.967, and the time that uh, Bottas set in Q2 was a 131.728. So <laughs> he's quite a bit off the the, the pace there. And uh, Carlos Sainz, uh, marginally better. He had set a 133.523. But still, he's uh, they're 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 well off the pace there. So they got some uh, work to do uh, before they can uh, hopefully find some redemption on uh, Sunday afternoon. So uh, the the first uh, in the first qualifying session, we had uh, the usual suspects uh, getting eliminated uh, right off of the bat. Uh, we had Lance Stroll in the racing point, George Russell and Robert Kubica in the the Williams, Antonio Giovinazzi, who you would have thought should have been on paper at least um, have a good opportunity to get through to Q two. Uh, was having problems and uh, didn't set a time in Q1. And then Alex uh, Albon on in the uh, the Toro Rosso had a big shunt earlier today during practice. And uh, instead of uh, watch, or taking part in this, he was watching uh, from the garage while the mechanics work hard to repair his car and put it back together for the race uh, tomorrow. And uh, a, a bit of a disappointment for, for him because he's had a couple of uh, pretty solid opening uh, Grand Prix uh, to the season and to his uh, career. So, so yeah, I guess he, he's obviously going to be uh, kicking himself a little bit for the mistake that he had and he really didn't do too much different than a lot of other guys and that's just coming out of the final corner onto the start finish uh, straight at the Shanghai International Circuit he got onto that artificial turf that is just uh, beyond the limit of the uh, the, the curb there and uh, just uh, was not able to keep the car under control and it uh, it spun out on him and he hit the wall and just Everything breaks off as Formula One cars are supposed to do, uh, but uh, certainly uh, disappointing for 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 Albon. So we'll see what uh, he can do during the race itself and see how far he can recover. Uh, like I say, he has had a couple of decent uh, races uh, so far, and uh, but he's got his work cut out on Sunday afternoon. Now, Lance Stroll, I mean, if there weren't very many opportunities left to really criticize uh, or just keep wondering what are his yeah, what's what? What's the reasons? Why is he still in Formula One? Obviously, I think we all know why. When his dad is at the head of a group that buys a Formula One team, that's a pretty good hint right there. But again, not making it out of Q three, uh, and that's obviously not a very good thing. Lance, uh, his time was a one thirty four point two nine two, and that's not really all that far off of his teammate's time, uh, Sergio Perez, in the other racing point. Uh, his uh, Q one time was a one thirty four point oh two six. So, you know, just under two tenths of a second, but that's that's enough because there was uh, three other cars uh, between him, uh, you know, between him and his uh, teammate Sergio Perez, and uh, the two McLarens and Kimi Räikkönen sneaking in there and just doing enough uh, to stay uh, in front of him uh, to to make it through into Q two. So, uh, Lance 
he's uh, dug himself a hole again and is going to have a lot of work. I know it sort of really worked out uh, to a certain ex- um, advantage in uh, Australia for the opening gra- uh, race of the year. Didn't uh, uh, qualify particularly well, but uh, managed to score some points uh, in that one. So I, I think that came down to a very good uh, race strategy and the, the the fact that the tires and the machinery um, you know helped him out. But he also had uh, I mean, he had a, a good race. I mean, you got to give the guy uh, credit. I mean, if we're going to criticize on one side, you know, we should give him uh, some uh, some uh, props as well on the other side for having a good race. But uh, certainly, he has a lot to, to do. I mean, uh, he did, uh, like I say, he finished ninth in Australia a couple of weeks ago. But uh, he's got a lot, uh, <laughs> a lot to do to move up uh, from there. So uh, a big day coming up for Lance Stroll tomorrow to get a little bit of a redemption and uh, salvage uh, some pride out of uh, what was obviously a very disappointing qualifying for himself. Okay, just uh, let's uh, we'll, we'll go for a little while longer here. We're just going to take a very short break. First of all, here on the Overtime Media Network, don't go away. We will be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back to Scuderia F1 here on the Overtime Media Network. And uh, like I say, there was a couple of items of uh, news that came out since the uh, the regular show was released uh, earlier this week. And uh, we already talked about Lewis Hamilton and his theory that, uh, that they've got uh, some work to do to catch up uh, to Ferrari in the engine deficit. That one seems like a, a little bit of uh, BS to me. <laughs> I think that uh, they're quite evenly matched and I think it's going to really come down to which car is suited better to which circuit uh, and I think they're a lot more even than we're led to believe because uh, the Mercedes cars were both very good in Australia Mercedes sorry they, they weren't as good in Bahrain but Ferrari were outstanding and uh, it was just the mechanical issues in Sebastian's spin that uh, that really robbed them of points uh, that day but so far uh, Mercedes uh, certainly looking uh, good here and then uh, who knows that'll work on uh, beyond here but I really think that these cars are a lot closer performance wise than uh, either teams or their drivers or or the, uh, the the various uh, team personnel are saying, I think uh, that it is uh, pretty much uh, neck and neck, and uh, it just really comes down to individual circuits, and that uh, one car might be suited a little bit better to it than uh, than one of the other ones. But just uh, talking a little bit now uh, more about Mercedes, they um, had to modify their front wing after a recent uh, FIA ruling, and uh, they had to do that in time for the opening practice at the the, the Chinese Grand Prix, and the the, the FIA said that uh, in their ruling that uh, their their front wing did not comply with the rule. 
school, so they had to make uh, some uh, some changes. So it uh, it was to do with the the new uh, end plate that they had introduced uh, for the first time on Thursday, and it, it was a it, it was a it was shorter and reworked. And well, end of it uh, is that uh, it wasn't legal, so they had to uh, you know <laughs> change it back and make that uh, comply to to Formula One's uh, uh, standards. So. That's just it. It's either legal or it's not. Now let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, Williams and Robert Kubica. Despite being several seconds off of the pace and being eliminated in Q1, was the slowest non-starting car. Uh, he, despite all that, he is uh, encouraged by the different Williams F, uh, sorry, FW42 in China. He said that uh, the, the car feels different uh, over the past couple of days and uh, the, the team is uh, working really hard to improve the, the, the problems that they're having with that. And uh, in addition to having a, a very experienced race driver in, uh, in Kubica and his, uh, the young up-and-cover in, uh, in George Russell, they do have uh, Sir Patrick Headback and Patrick uh, was one of the founders way back in the day and was uh, with them for a very very long time when uh, they were in their glory years and beyond and uh, he's come back to, to help out on a consultant or to consult with them on a part-time basis to get this one uh, sorted out but uh, Kubitz was saying that uh, the car feels a, a bit different over the past couple of races and that he considers it a good sign and uh, he was uh, he was quicker in the, the two Friday test sessions practice sessions than his uh, teammate Russell and uh, he went on to say that uh, they, they have to look at the data and what they need to do and um, he was saying that the balance on the car in uh, in China was a, a lot better than it was over the first uh, couple of races in Australia and then um, two weeks ago in, in Bahrain. Okay, well, just uh, talking about a guy that uh, we all love to talk about uh, at one time or other, and that is Kimi Raikkonen, uh, won a world championship. La- well, actually, last guy to win a, um, a world championship for Ferrari over a decade ago. He's, uh, of course, now at Alfa Romeo after moving there in the off season, and uh, he's in the news this week because uh, he said that uh, Ferrari, or sorry, F1 is becoming more of a hobby rather than anything else uh, for him. And if uh, that's the case, uh, I think that I, I'm sure I speak for most of us here saying that, Kimmy, you got a pretty damn cool hobby if that's uh, that, that what it is. But uh, you can always count on Kimmy Raikkonen for a good quote or two here and there whenever uh, you need it. And then uh, this was one that um, it sort of leads off uh, or leads on to a, uh, a discussion that we were having on the podcast a couple of days ago, and that was just on the state of uh, the discussions for uh, renewal of um, the, the, the British Grand Prix at Silverstone and how there were some positive uh, discussions uh, between the two sides in, in recent times. But... As I mentioned uh, during that show, that uh, how much I think that these um, these traditional circuits are very much part of the DNA of Formula One, and they have to find a way to keep them. On the flip side, in the shadow of that news, you have a new story come out uh, today, and uh, Monza is saying that they need sixty million euros urgently, and uh, they they emphasize that they said they need sixty million euros urgently for track renovation. And, um, well, <laughs> that is a huge sum of money and they, they want to, um, they want that money so they can, uh, start the renovation work, uh, and have that done in time for its 100th anniversary. And also looking beyond that, uh, to secure the future as, uh, being a host, uh, venue, host circuit for the Italian Grand Prix and, uh, Monza to me, just this thought of not having an Italian Grand Prix anywhere in Italy. I mean, uh, Monza of, of course is the logical 
logical choice. It is really is, I, I think, the heart and soul of uh, of Formula One. I mean, it's just one of those uh, places that uh, it just has that real old school feeling, kind of that old school look to it. And uh, it just, uh, to me, it seems to be the, the very embodiment of uh, what Formula One is because it's not really a, a modern track. It's a, it's an old track. You can still see some of the banked portions, especially by Parabolica when it was uh, it was a bank circuit way back in the in the day. But it uh, it's even though it's been upgraded for modern Formula One, I, I do feel that connection with the history that Formula One has. And of course, when that's an older um, and bygone era where the drivers wore those little little helmets and they came off out of the cars at the end of the race with all the soot and, and then all the oil just caked on their face and all that sort of stuff. And a very dangerous era in Formula One where you know, guys didn't wear seatbelts. But it does, uh, you know, just to cut a long story short, that um, it, it is one of those old school, very, I think, very essential circuits for Formula Formula One to um, to include in the uh, the, the world championship uh, each and every year. So hopefully they can get it uh, sorted out. But um, they they do have some things done. They said it's urgent. They get that that money that they need um, because otherwise it's going to be a real problem if they don't have the facilities and uh, have them in good working order. Then it'll just make any negotiations that they are having with Formula One. All that more difficult uh, because then of course the discussion might be okay well uh, maybe you got the money to buck up uh, and and pay and to, to host a, a grand prix at uh, at your track but uh, the facilities are, are terrible so we'll see uh, how that goes and whether or not they can uh, get it sorted out um this was one maybe we should have talked about a little bit off uh, the top of the show, but hey, come on, it's after midnight here. Give me a break. I'm trying to stay awake, and uh, <laughs> I'm not not sure if I'm going to make it through. I should have made some coffee or something beforehand, but uh, anyways, having said that, um, Formula One has found uh, some, they've met some um, resistance because they want to introduce uh, a fourth qualifying uh, session into the, uh, the the proceedings, and uh, they're, they're finding a real uh, lack of support uh, throughout the, uh, the, the Formula One path from all the different uh, teams and you you can kind of kind of wonder why because or it, it shouldn't come as too much of a surprise because they did try tinkering with the format uh, a couple of years ago. Remember, it was one of these ones where they kind of uh, have this uh, rolling kind of uh, cutoff line. And cars would kind of get uh, eliminated as it went. And it was something that looked really, really um, kind of cool on paper. But of course, when it actually came to be rolled out and implemented in a real world situation, it didn't work out uh, at all. And uh, it was just a, a complete failure because some of these drivers who were kind of on the margins and uh, realized that uh, it didn't really matter what they uh, would do that uh, to be able to close that gap uh, to the car in front of them and stay in contention and not be eliminated from... From this uh, this virtual cutoff line that would just sort of lop cars off and send them back to the garage as they uh, uh, got outside the t- the time margins. It was well intended, but it didn't really work out because quite often you'd see some of the drivers just walking around in jeans and uh, their their team wear, just signing autographs or whatever, because it was it just made sense to stop and take the time penalty and not waste any tires or uh, risk crashing the car, getting into an accident or whatever it may uh, might be. So. Whether or not this Q4 session will fly, that's that's the $64,000 question. Don't really know, but certainly if the, the, the teams aren't going to agree with it, then maybe it's going to be one of these uh, discussions that's more academic than uh, than practical because it might be something that we'll never uh, get off uh, the ground and see the, the light of day. 
And then uh, finally, uh, Ferrari has said that uh, they uh, believe that uh, Sebastian Vettel still has the bigger probability of winning the F1 title this year. And, um, well, I think you have to say that because uh, considering the history that he's had over the past year and uh, even a couple of weeks ago in Bahrain when uh, he he spun out uh, trying to uh, take back the position that Lewis Hamilton had snuck off of him and uh, taken for himself that... You have to be supportive, right? And Sir Jackie Stewart, three-time world champion, was talking a couple of months ago that he said that uh, he finds it a little bit odd, basically, that uh, that Formula One, being the elite-level sport that it is, doesn't have any coaching uh, available for their uh, for their drivers. I mean, you look at any other team sport, uh, be it uh, baseball or football or hockey or soccer, they, you have like uh, your your head trainer or your coach or whatever on the bench right there, so you can interact. And uh, if you watch certain uh, sports and the, and the coverage is good on TV or you're there in person, you can see the coach interacting and yelling at the players and organizing and telling them what to do or yelling at the referee because of a, what they consider a bad call, whatever whatever it might be. So it uh, it is uh, certainly, I think, important, uh, just going back to Sebastian, that um, that they do support him and, uh, and do what they can because uh, you need to... Um, you really do need to manage uh, the, 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 the the drivers, and I think Formula One certainly lacks that because uh, even though it is a team environment in the sense that these cars don't run themselves and you need literally a small army of people there just to, to do the pit stops and change the tires, which is just amazing, still blows my mind uh, each and every race that uh, that we sit down to watch these cars get all four tires changed and uh, be on their way in, and in two to three seconds is, uh, is absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, boggling uh but um it uh it it is like this uh this team that kind of functions independently at the same time and uh, i i think that uh they would really be well served and and well advised uh on their own um from their own point of view uh, to to really try and get that sorted out with uh, Sebastian Vettel and, and help him get in a good headspace. Lewis Hamilton has been saying very many uh, supportive uh, and nice comments uh, about uh, Vettel in the past week or two, uh, just especially with the spin that he had in Bahrain and uh, saying that he also doesn't feel like he has a huge advantage in the, the, the mental game, which kind of gets thrown out there quite a bit, that he's just mentally a lot tougher than a lot of the other drivers in Formula One, especially Sebastian Vettel, and uh, maybe that is or is not the case. But uh, certainly he knows how to articulate it and, and put it out there and get his message across in the media. Anyways, that's a good place uh, to leave it for this very special edition of uh, the post-qualifying review here at the, the Chinese Grand Prix. And uh, let's uh, do this again. Uh, hopefully the, the race doesn't end too late tomorrow. I'm literally falling asleep here, so <laughs> I don't know if it'll work out uh, according to our time schedule. But uh, at any rate, thank you very much uh, for listening. If you want to help out the show, the easiest and quickest way and uh, a very beneficial way is just to leave a rating and a five-star review wherever you uh, download and listen to your podcast then we certainly would appreciate that uh, very much. And if you want to get in touch, uh, send me an email, scuderiaf one pod at gmail.com or uh, tweet me at scuderiaf1pod and uh, we'll read those out uh, on the air. Anyways, we, maybe we'll be back tomorrow night, maybe on Monday. We'll see how it goes. But uh, until next time, thank you for listening to the show and uh, enjoy the Chinese Grand Prix, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.